Happy 2021, bandheads. We made it. It's 2021, a new year. We have a new administration, still same COVID, but you know, we've got some things to look forward to. And so I am so pleased to be giving you all this podcast as we make our way through the year. I took some time off, rested, relaxed, and so I'm ready to bring y'all some some new interviews. So I'm not going to delay it anymore. This first interview is with my friend, my brother, my partner, Mike Lee. Mike and I, over 20 years ago, we created a website called The Fifth Quarter, which was dedicated to promoting HBCU bands. And this is somebody, I mean, I know I talk about in some of these podcasts, these people are like family. No, this is really family. Like, I can't even put into words how much he's been there for me over the years and hopefully the same for um, same for him. So I am just going to let him talk about his time being a drum major and marching in Alabama A&M. So here you go. Mike, how you doing? Okay. <laughs> I am good. I am doing very good. It's a uh, thank you for asking. It's been an interesting year. 2020 is an interesting year. It's, it's been difficult on many fronts but I think um, you know in the things that we look at as, as in quality of life you know enjoyment when you look at the arts the 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 events to travel to things like that when you lose that that's when things start to change for people you know and you know I've been thinking about that pretty deeply arts are really one of the first things that left us really and well it wasn't necessarily the first. Well, I guess it was on the the front end, you know, like Broadway was shut down and and sports were shut down and and things like that. And that is where that's what sets the enjoyment of life apart. All right, you have your work, but you just, when you don't have your arts, that's when there's a challenge. And I think yeah. that's where people start to feel it. Yeah, well, I know we're definitely feeling it as bandheads. So, oh, I mean, yeah. Mike, Mike, you know, you are my brother. It's no introduction mm-hmm. need to be said between us. You know, you know how it goes. <laughs> and um, so, really, I just want to like talk to you, kind of like how your your journey through marching at HBCU band. Of course, you went to Alabama A and M, and you were mm-hmm. a drum major. And then after That's right. afterwards, right. you and I got together, and and we formed the fifth quarter. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and that is, you know, it's really interesting. I think about that all the time. I think about that journey to the fifth quarter to, you know, leadership after band life and everything. And it, it's all based in band. Right. It's, it's all, you know, everybody is comprised of what they were before a particular moment. Right. And, you know, I can draw a line back to what I was before I went to Alabama A&M or who I was before Alabama A&M and who I am now. And the only thing that that I guess, the, the biggest part of that trajectory is my experience with marching band, you know, with HBCU marching. It is, uh, it is truly part of who I am. And that's kind of, you know, what I've been thinking about, you know, uh, as we were talking about what marching band means to us as mm-hmm. individuals, I've been thinking about that. See, I didn't march in high school. 
Okay, I yeah. So let's, in high school. Yeah, so let's let's talk about that. Okay, so we'll go back to like your mm-hmm. hometown. So you're from Ohio originally, right? But yeah. you're 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 a military brat, right? Right, I'm a military brat, and so okay. we moved every four years or so. Um, my first two years in high school were in Shreveport, Louisiana, but then my the last two years of my high school was in uh, Dayton, a place called Fairborn, Ohio, is just outside of Dayton is uh, uh, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. And so I wanted to be in the band. I wanted to learn how to read music, play music from the sixth grade. That was in Louisiana, but my parents, right in the sixth grade, I moved to a private school, a a Seventh-day Adventist school, and they didn't have music there. So I missed that opportunity. So I didn't get to join band. And so I was an athlete. I was an athlete in school. I played, actually, I played four sports. I played football, basketball, track, and golf. I promise and, you I did not notice <clears throat> about you after knowing you for so long. I, didn't, I, I had yeah. no idea. I was the only person in my high school that played four sports. So they made a special trophy for me that actually had the four sports at the end of the year on there. because I was the only person that played all four. And so I was really interested in music. And so I would uh, do like the pit setup. So my school was a core style school. And so I wanted to be a part of the band. I wanted to be participant. Now, um, my last year in, in, high, in high school, I didn't play football because I broke uh, two fingers, but I was really interested in band. So I, I was part of the pit setup. So I would travel to the competitions. I'd roll xylophones out. I'd set the percussion up and everything like that and cheer and then put it back up during the competitions. But in my, uh, during basketball season, my senior year, about halfway through the year, uh, I found a, a guy who was doing percussion lessons. And right after basketball practice, I would go to a, a, twice a week, I would go to a percussion lesson, you know, learn how to read music, rhythms, and so forth. And I would go home and I practice like three hours a night reading. I, would, I got perfect. I got really good at reading uh, percussion music, mm-hmm. uh, you know, rhythms, basically. And so I did a three hours a week all through the winter, through the spring. And then I had an opportunity to audition for Central State University because that's where I was going to go, Central State, mm-hmm. um, out in uh, Zeno, Ohio. And I got a scholarship. I got a scholarship to march at Central. And plus, I got a thing called a commuter's grant, which if I lived off campus, my tuition was paid for, plus the band scholarship. So I, it was basically a full ride. But my dad retired. And they didn't want to leave me in Ohio by myself. So mm-hmm. I went and auditioned. So they moved to Alabama, uh, di- auditioned at Alabama A&M and got a very good scholarship down there. And, you know, my dad marched at A&M when he was in school. I didn't know that. So You know what? That's not true. Yeah, I, think I didn't sure know did. him. But what, what did he play? He played a trumpet. Okay. He played a trumpet at Alabama A&M. And... Um, so that was a that was a tough choice because I really wanted to be a marching marauder. That was that's what I set, you know, I, I set to go there, and uh, it was a great campus. It was a great program. Uh, Dr. Oliver, who mm-hmm. eventually went to Alabama State, mm-hmm. he was the band director up there, and we got close. We would talk all the time. So, 
like at the Magic City Classics during my time at AM, you know, I would go talk to Dr. Oliver and, you know, we would <laughs> we'd have a good time because you know, we remembered each other. But I went to AM and that was my first time in a marching band. Yeah, that was my first time lining up in a marching band at band the day, first day of band camp. <laughs> you you got to be kidding me. Number one, that I didn't know these details and, you know, we've, we go back so far. And then, like, yeah. for you to end up doing the fifth quarter and you didn't grow up in that environment, it just kind of blows me away, right. even though you did, did march for HBCU band. Well, yeah, and so I did. I mean, we would go to the, like, when we were living in Louisiana, uh, we, we would go to the um, Bayou Classic. You know, we would go to the Magic City Classic periodically. So, I mean, I, I grew up around, grew up seeing HBCU margin bands, but I just was not in the, I wasn't in the band. I knew I wanted to do that, but I didn't know how because I was an athlete. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So was it just like the injuries and things that you were kind of like, nah, I don't want to try to be an athlete in college, or you just knew you wanted to be in the band in college? Uh, I mean, I wasn't that great. <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> that great of an athlete. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not even going to lie. I'm not, oh, it was an injury. That, no, I, I just wasn't that great uh, of an athlete. I, uh, my high school was a white high school and I was a tall black guy so mm-hmm. I mean <laughs> they can always use a tall black guy right. in a white mm-hmm. high school so right yeah so let's talk about at your band camp at at AM and uh-huh. what was that like like was it culture shock I'm sure it had to be right yeah for so and I tell people this all the time being a military brat especially an officer my dad was an aviator and a Air Force, you're not around a lot of black folks. You you don't live around black folks. You don't go to school with a lot of black folks. So I was in culture shock. I had never been around that many black people at one particular time. You know, we were marching about 280 at that point. So I have 279 other uh, black students. At the same place, I just I didn't know I was I was just different. I, I kind of I'm sure I stood out, you know. I'd watched uh, I've seen uh, movies and looked at at that point it was VHS tapes and stuff like that of marching bands. I just had a different idea what a marching band was. You mm-hmm. know, <laughs> I was looking at DCI type stuff. It right. wasn't that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it just wasn't that. Yeah. Um, and so, like you know. So band camp started on a Monday, right? And we had a Sunday night band meeting. That's that's most with everyone, you know, everybody kind of comes mm-hmm. together and you kind of talk about that. And I remember walking in, I'm like, man, what in the world am I in for here? I have no idea mm-hmm. what I'm doing. And what happens at AM, you know, the drum majors will come in after everybody kind of sits down and they'll call the band to attention. Now, obviously the freshmen have no idea what's going on. Me. I had absolutely no idea what was going on. And they do all that. And I'm walking out of the band room. They say, all right, five o'clock, down here in the parking lot, be here, whatever. And a guy, his name was Barney Smart. You know Barney Smart. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, he, he, I'm walking out, he plays saxophone. I'm a percussion person. And he looks at me and he's like, your name is gonna be Aya. He didn't know know my name. He didn't know anything about me. He just knew I was a freshman. 
And from that point, that's how I got my crab name is Aya. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about a crab name. I didn't know what crabbing was. I was like, he just going to tell me my name is Aya. He, <laughs> he doesn't even know my name. I didn't know what, is this? what kind of foolishness is this? I didn't yeah, know you gave me that name. Life. That's funny. <laughs> it was like, Aya. So everybody was like, yeah, Aya. Aya, that's his name, Aya. And that's what people call me to this day. So, you know, I go uh, the next day, come, and I'm learning this marching style. I'm learning, like, these commands and, like, all this kind of stuff. It is a whirlwind. It is crazy. I was wearing... Um, I guess on on some sort some level of research, I saw like people wearing like sunglasses and stuff like that, a band cap and stuff. That stuff got snatched off of my face so quickly mm-hmm. and thrown somewhere. And I snatched off. We don't wear some freshmen don't wear uh, you know crabs don't wear sunglasses here. I'm like, what? Well, first of all, what's a crab? <laughs> and secondly, why not? So you know, I make it through, and it was it was different. It was a it was a stressful time because every it was all new to me. It was yeah. everything, everything, everything about marching band was new to me. Uh, the pressure, the the memorization, the the stress of standing at attention with a instrument strapped to you, you know, the having to do things over and over and over again to memorize and and you know, it, it was stressful. So everything was brand new. It was like it was a blank slate. So it was, um, it was a, it was a very intense situation for me, you know, starting my freshman year. You know, I'm just trying to think like at least a lot of us, even if, because I went to a core style high school as well. And at least Mm -hmm. we kind of knew like what it was like to have commands and, you know, practice over and over again. You didn't even have that. Wow. Wow. I just, No, I mean, I had seen it because I was kind of hanging around marching band in, in high school, but I I had no idea what I was doing. So I had to, I had a really steep learning curve and I had to learn things really quickly because I didn't want people to know that I didn't march in high school. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't want, so I started adapting myself to how people kind of walk around, you know, um, trying to, you know, kind of fit in if you and I remember I was trying to fit in with black culture as well mm. as marching band culture you know but I didn't realize marching band was a culture at that time I thought it was just an activity and there's a big difference between those two and so you know I felt myself trying to trying to conform to these norms that people just automatically had you know like just a quick example, you know, like how do you carry your drum, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I ended up playing bass drum my first two years. Okay. Right. And how do you carry that? How do you carry your drum? Somebody who's marched in the band, no matter if it's core style or show style, you know how to carry your drum. So I'm trying to observe, I'm looking around, trying to observe how people carry themselves, carrying their instruments. You know, how do you hold your mallets? when you're carrying your drum. You know, I don't want to be walking around, you know, mm-hmm. with them held with my arm, you know, not really knowing where to where to hold the mallets for my so I'm I have to observe how people do this sort of thing. But what I was realizing is uh, when I was looking at the cult looking at culture, when I was looking at, 
you know, the band culture as well as black culture and things, I realized that I didn't, this was closer to me than where the way I was previously, right? I felt more relaxed, right? I felt like I didn't have to speak a certain way. Well, my accent was a little different because I was kind of, I grew up around white, white people, but I felt like I wasn't judged as much about what I did, how I walked or so forth. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt like this is, I saw a lot of me where, where I should have been versus a mask that I may have been wearing, you know, just from conditioning through, through high school and, and, and my environments. I think that's what's so beautiful about it is that you get to go to school with people throughout the diaspora, (laughs) you know, you get to meet, you know, people who grew up rich, people who grew up poor, everything in between, indigenous Africans, um, you know, Hispanic folks, you know, folks from all different backgrounds. So that's what I appreciate. I saw, yeah, I saw a meme once that said, you know, why did I... What, what about something about HBCU is that, you know, for, for four years, you're not the minority, right? You know, you're not a minority. And so you're, for those four years, so you're, you know, you're kind of yourself. You have your life to have to deal with the issues of being a minority in a, in a community. So I felt myself learning a lot about myself, you know, through that first year. So much so the where you know, I got this confidence about myself, especially after I played KK Psy. Um, I got this confidence about myself. It's like, you know, people care about Aya or Mike Lee. I started calling myself Aya too. It was just, it was just easier to do that. And, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm here. I'm doing well in school. You know, I'm navigating this marching band thing. I'm wearing concert band at that point. You know, I'm great at reading music. I just had this confidence about myself. After my freshman year, I had a confidence about myself that I did not know where it came from. You know, I had always been very self-critical of myself. My brother was the one where all the girls, you know, he would, you know, they would all chase after him. Me, not so much. I was kind of the geeky one, but I felt this, this sense of confidence and pride in myself because marching band was above most most people on an HBCU campus, you know, above athletes, they mm-hmm. were above, you know, you know the the SGA, you know, you're in the marching band, wow, especially in the percussion section. So my sophomore year, obviously, it was a little bit different. I had kind of gotten this idea, yeah, you know, I kind of got an idea how this all works. You know, I was doing well in school, and I started feeling the the idea of attention and leadership, right. And that's one of the things I tell people all the time. In marching band, is you start to develop yourself, right? Because marching band in itself is a hierarchy of culture. Mm-hmm. You know, you're gonna have your your freshmen, you're gonna have your senior people, then you're gonna have your leadership, you're gonna have your followers, you're gonna have your managers versus your pushers, everything like that, all heading towards the same direction. And I felt myself kind of bubbling up there. I started started gaining in popularity, you know, I was tall, I was lanky, I started matching the stereotypical description of what a a drum major was. Now, mind you, I'm not a great dancer, or I wasn't at the, you know, I grew up 
around white folks. So we didn't, I didn't really know how to dance all that well, you know, but I got this confidence through this experience, uh, you know, the, the dust of dawn parties, the home, homecoming, stuff like that, where, you know, I felt confident in what I was able to do, but I felt more confident in my ability to lead a marching band program lead the entire organization because we led we were we were a set of our drum majors at AM we actually lead we actually teach we teach the dance teams we teach the drill we teach the music we direct throughout the entire show you know we march everything like that we're telling we're telling which buses to get on we're scheduling this everything we actually lead and I felt I, that was a good place for me to be and at that point I was actually a leading contender for the presidency at Kappa Kappa Psi at a I was gaining popularity in the fraternity. You know, I was kind of leading the different activities. And so I was getting a, I was developing a presence, right? And I went home and told my mom, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna try out to be a drum major. And she just laughed. She was like, Mike, you gonna try out to be a drum major? You know, oh, I was like, I was like, yeah, I'm going to try out. And uh, we have a little mini camp for drum majors. And it was pretty clear that I started standing out above the rest. There were a couple people who have been drum majors in high school, you know, who were, you know, they were show style. They were leading contenders. You know, everybody said, oh, this person, you know, he was a drum major at, you know, J.L. Johnson, which was the sister school of A&M. You know, so he's got it. He's going to be a drum major. And, you know, such and such from Atlanta went to Mays, going to be a drum major and so forth. And I didn't know any of these schools. I mean, I didn't know the politics of that kind of thing. I just knew that I felt like I could be a good leader. And I, and so tried out and it became very clear pretty quickly that I was a favorite. And uh, I made it that first year. And um, it was a, it was the start of a, a place I felt that, you know, I had been ready for for a long time that I didn't realize I was ready for. If I look back at the, in my RO, uh, junior ROTC days in uh, high school, you know, I was the group commander, right? I, I led different organizations and so forth, but this was just another leadership level that kind of set, really set me on the path of organizational leadership because, you know, when I, when I became head drum major a year later, so I was a regular drum major the first year, but then I became head drum major. Um, we were marching about 310. And mm. I came up with a, a way to divide up the band. The other four drum majors had sections. So I, I divided the band up into sections the drum majors were, were responsible for on the practice field during sectionals, you know, that kind of thing. They were responsible to do different things. And I just kind of oversaw the entire thing. And I worked with band director, Mr. Wesley, to do some of the scheduling for travel. You know, I was kind of all into it, all into the logistics and things with Miss Hall as well. And we ran really smoothly. You know, that's when we got the, the Olympics, you know, we got everybody together, that kind of thing. I was, I did scheduling you know, as far as um, activities for band camp, me and the drum majors and so forth. And, and I think in, from my, my first, my two years being head drum major were really transformative because we we had a marching style, but we kind of changed to be more fluid, you know, a little bit of influence from like Jackson State, you know, kind of movement kind of like that. But the snap and drive you see from like a Florida AM or 
or Alabama State or Morris Brown. And so, you know, we kind of we kind of changed the flavor of a, of a drum major of what we did. And we did more performance type things instead of just marching. And a lot of that influence came from the previous set of drum majors. They call them the Fab Five, you know, Andy Ragley, Barney Smart, Shad Hudson, you know, that group. And they just, uh, they kind of set it in motion, but we kind of took it forward to grow it a little bit more. But that, that was leadership. That was a one thing I think that marching bands do, HBCU marching bands, it brings out different characteristics in the individuals that participate that you that may not have been there. You have the opportunity to lead, you have the opportunity to follow, you have the opportunity to grow and to become different, uh, kind of come out of your shell because of the environment and the community that you develop, the family that you develop in, develop in the marching band program. Wow. All I can do is just sit here and just watch you listen to you talk. And yeah, you're, you're answering all my questions for me. But one that we haven't talked about is your um, director. Mm -hmm. So tell me about your um, band director at Alabama A&M and what was this person like? What was their leadership style? <laughs> oh, well, so Mr. Wesley, Mr. Arthur Wesley, he marks at Florida A&M. And he was a he was the band director when I arrived at AM. He was the band director when I left as well. He retired shortly after that. He was a very interesting and a, kind of eccentric person. I love him to death. I love him to this day. And uh, I love him to death. He was really about perfection. If you can imagine, you know, Florida AM back in the day, right? You know, Dr. Foster really developing this, this craft and you know, him being there and growing. And, and you have to imagine, you know, what it was like marching back then. You know, it was a, it was really a process to be one of the 100, right? And mm -hmm. he kind of developed that at AM to, to, to have that pride. And so being a member of the marching band, you know, just a regular member of the marching band, where there was a different relationship between Mr. Wesley and and when you became a, a drum major, when I became a drum major, because he was very heavy on, you are the drum major, you are the head drum major, you're responsible for this program, you're responsible for the, the show looking the way it should, the marching style, making sure, you know, you're, everybody's marching eight to five, you're up on, you're up on eight or up on one, whatever it was, and your turns and everything, you're responsible for teaching incoming freshmen and refreshing returning members on your marching style. You have to make this band program look good. And so it became a pretty stressful relationship once I became head drum major, because I, mean, I still wake up to this day with hearing Mr. Wesley, Michael Lee, Michael Lee, get over here, Michael Lee. <laughs> drum major, get over here. Take it back. Take it back. Top to, to the top of the show, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but it was a loving relationship because I think we both were pointing in the same direction. We we're both trying to get the same thing out of this, you know, the same thing out of the, out of the program. And that's perfection as much as we could. And I think we got, we got pretty close, uh, especially uh, our levels were really measured at our big games, Homecoming and Magic City Classic. You know, some, to some extent, the uh, the Tuskegee game, 
talk about that just a second. Mm-hmm. So, you know, of course, yeah. you're going to have your regular opponents throughout the year. But, you know, mm-hmm. the big thing I hear about Alabama A&M is the Magic City Classic. And I know that, you know, in uh, our early days of doing the fifth quarter, I remember that picture of you in the, the zoot suits with the other drum majors. And like yes. y'all had that mm-hmm. zoot suit theme show. And um, yeah. yeah, so tell me about the Magic City Classic. That's a classic that I have not been to yet that I really want to go Man. to. Oh, Christy, Christy. <laughs> the Magic City Classic is it's like nothing you've ever seen before. Uh, and I, I've been to lots of classics. I've been to lots of games, lots of events. The Magic City Classic is, is, is hard to describe the, the energy and the power and the, the pride that goes into Magic City Classic. It can, it's, you know, you could probably see, see the same level of pride in different places. You could probably see the same same level see the same level of energy in different places or history in different places, but it, to see everything in one place as um, as long as well as the hatred of one another, the lovingly hatred of one another. It's you can find those things in in a lot of different places, but find them all together in one place. Uh, that's good. That's the magic city. You work all year starting day one of band camp being prepared to prepare yourself for what you're going to do at the magic city class you work uh you work extra hard you have practices from 4 p.m to 1 a.m every day for two weeks because we usually have a bye week before the uh classic uh with a you have a dinner break you know i think from five to six or six to seven but then you come back and you practice your inside, your outside, you're working on your music, you work your marching style, your dance routine. Then you have your drum major entrance was a completely different thing. You know, that's the, that's when you go all out with your band director entrances. And so, you know, at AM, like one year we came out of a spaceship. We were the AT aliens and we had smoke and we had fireworks and we had, we had space suits on the drum majors. No, we had these uh, big, we were inside of these blobs. So we were marching. We did our drum major entrance in these blobs. And we came out and we had spacesuits on. And we did the whole the whole performance in those spacesuits, like boots on and everything. You know, one year we came out doing a Cab Calloway show. We were in our zoot suits. And we t- turned it out. And when I say turn it out, I mean like def- deafening, not, uh, definitely loud crowd noise you know, screaming and yelling and, you know, calling out and you got your booze from the Alabama state side, but you got your cheers from the A&M side and um, the energy is just, is unexplainable. There is definitely the biggest, the biggest game of the season, the biggest performance of the season. And that's when you had your book, your, your stand books. So uh, I think we had, most of the time we had 45 to 45 to 55 songs that we just played back to back, just going after each other until one of us left. That's in the fifth quarter. So Majesty Classic, if anybody has never gone to one, go and I promise you, you will thank me later. All right, y'all. I hope y'all had a good time listening to Mike Lee's interview. But let me just tell you, 
our conversation went on for longer than that. Um, and so, you know, we didn't even get to the point where we talked about the fifth quarter. So what I'm going to do is next week, I'm going to air our part of the interview where we talked about the fifth quarter. And I know some of you all band heads will probably, you know, want to hear how we connected and how we made the site and all that good stuff. And it was just too good to pass up. So next week, we are going to talk all about the fifth. Take care, everybody, and have a great week. You have listened to the HBCU Band Experience with Christy Walker. Interviews and editing conducted by yours truly, Dr. Christy Walker. The music is District 4 by Kevin McLeod. And you can find this podcast on hbcubandexperience.podbean.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Take care.